0: Hello, my name is Leszek Jaroszewski. Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I hope you'll enjoy our program. Hello, welcome to Liberal Europe podcast. My name is Leszek Jaroszewski and uh, we'll be talking today about the uh, rule of law in Europe and illiberalism. My distinguished guest is Professor Gabor Halmai who is a Professor and Chair of Comparative Constitutional Law at the Law Department at the European University Institute in Florence. Welcome, Professor, to the podcast. Thank you. Accepting invitation. Thank you for having me. So, I would like to start with a very basic question. Uh, In your opinion, does Hungary and Poland fulfill the conditions of membership of the European Union? Certainly
1: not. Uh, this is a short answer. The longer term would be that that those two countries, actually Hungary, ever since 2010, when Viktor Orbán' first term started with a two third majority, uh, and in Poland since 2015, Article two of the European Treaty, which which uh, regulates the most important values of the EU, are systematically violated by those countries in different terms, in in different ways. uh, But they certainly do not comply with, with the rule of law requirements of the EU. In the case of Hungary, I would even go a little bit further saying that Hungary is not anymore a democracy. For my view, democracy means that there are elections, the result of which are uncertain. The April 3 elections in in Hungary, the last parliamentary elections, has shown that actually the result was very much certain. Uh, Viktor Orbán's Fidesz party could not be possibly beaten by the United Opposition. Uh, which does not mean that the opposition performed perfectly in the electoral campaign, but the playing field has been since 2014 so much uneven that there are no democratic elections anymore. The case in Poland is is different in that regard. I, guess there are still a possibility for the opposition to win the elections, both in the parliamentary elections and the presidential elections.
0: Right. Well uh, these are the very strong words indeed. But uh, I think you're right that perhaps framing the, the problems that you has with Hungary and Poland as a compliance with the rule of law doesn't seem to be well addressing the main issue which is basically perhaps the problems of whether there is a democracy uh still in those countries especially in hungary but how would you is it is it like a can you draw a line when we we should be speaking of non-democratic and if not democratic what kind of system in hungary is it kind of competitive autocracy uh, I know that you are not in favor of illiberal democracy. Maybe you can explain why. How would you call this, this system? Was it autocratic legalism? I know you're using this term as well. How would we mm-hmm. describe the, 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 the situation of Hungary? I agree that they should be analyzed separately from, from Poland in this case.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that that those labels matter that much, but let me start by saying that certainly illiberal democracy, which was the the frame uh, of Viktor Orban using from the very beginning in a very, very uh, infamous speech held in in the summer of 2014, describing uh, the system as still a democracy, but an illiberal one. In my view, and I do not want to go into very, very much scientific details, I, I can mention Jünger Habermas's uh, definition, which which actually uh, considers democracy as also fulfilling the elements of the rule of law and fundamental rights protection. In that respect, those countries which do not comply with uh, a minimum minimum uh, amount of fundamental rights guarantees, which is the case in Hungary, or do not comply with with other elements of the rule of law, cannot be considered as democracies either. Not to speak about the already mentioned uh, election system, which is uh, since the early 2010s, after the first election uh, in 2010, which was won by by Fidesz uh, uh, according to the Democratic election rules. So ever since 2011-12, the election system is rigged, not only not fair, but but also do not provide the possibility, as I mentioned, for opposition parties uh, to win. Whether this this is still a kind of competitive autocratic system, again, I think that competition means the possibility for others to win. In in Hungary, there are no others. Others is possibility but the governing uh, incumbent, Fidesz Party. Again, in Poland, the situation is different. They started this so-called democratic backsliding much later, about five years later, very much using the playbook of of Viktor Orbán starting by the dismantlement of uh, judicial review by the constitutional court, packing the constitutional court, and also starting to pack the ordinary courts with various uh, laws enacted by the the governing majority. So, uh, in that respect, uh, also Poland lacks the, the main guarantees of, of the rule of law, one of which is certainly an independent judiciary. In that respect, the, the two countries are very, very similar to each other. Both the Constitutional Court and the ordinary courts are packed. And uh, actually, the, the main, main players in the judiciary are appointed exclusively by, by the government
0: you You wrote very interestingly on the liberalism in East Central Europe, among others in the Ruthless handbook of liberal of Liberalism um, published uh, a year ago. And uh, you described the uh, anti-liberal ideologues, uh, richard Lebutko from from Poland and Andrans uh, Lanci, a uh, political scientist from and and urban propagandist from Hungary. And can you describe this this anti-liberal arguments made by, especially by Orban, but to some extent also by by pro-Kaczynski ideologues in which they try to, especially Orban is, I think, directly challenging the concept of, as you said before, of liberal democracy, uh, saying that it's incompatible with with democracy as such, comparing it to communism. Uh, how, how this uh, and it leads to the question of why actually liberal democracy and liberalism became so fragile in in Central Eastern Europe. So can you talk more about the, this 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 kind of propagandist argument against liberalism A, and also about the reasons of the liberalism fragility in the in the region.
1: Yes, certainly. When when we consider uh, Viktor Orbán's already mentioned speech from 2014, when he described the regime as an illiberal, his main argument was that, that actually his regime is not so much uh, concentrating or focusing on individual rights, but uh, rights of the community. So, in other words, he tries to differentiate between rights of the individual and rights of certain groups. Although in liberal democratic setting, uh, both rights are are main main components of liberal democracy. There cannot be liberal democracy without uh, guaranteeing uh, fundamental rights, both individual and group rights. And as I said, there cannot be democracy either if somewhere there are no no rights guaranteed. What is the main reason of this backslash of of liberalism? Actually, especially in in Eastern and Central Europe, but we we can talk about this kind of of backslash in other parts of the world. Fortunately, in, in Western Europe, Illiberals are still in opposition, although, as the French election have shown, with with a, an important part of of support by by the population. So, in Eastern and Central Europe, this kind of decline is certainly related to the very very start of this entire democratic transition in 8990, where actually Hungary and Poland were one of the frontrunners of that democratic transition. One of the promises of this this transition uh, was certainly to to change uh, an autocratic system into a market economy uh, governed by by the rule of law uh, with guaranteed fundamental rights. But also, and this wasn't uh, less important, in that transition that that people will will somehow catch up the living standard of of western europe in the case of hungary for instance the neighboring austria which which from the beginning of the 80s was was already a very much visible point of comparison since uh hungarian citizens were able to 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 travel and see the living standards there so this promise of of catching up has not been fulfilled and this certainly caused uh, a lot of disappointment not only with the economic development or the lack of of the speedy economic uh, development but also within uh, or against the liberal, democratic, uh, institutional setting of the newly introduced democratic systems. So, in other words, after 40 years of of authoritarian rule uh, in Hungary, and in almost all countries of, of that region, Certainly new institutions like the Constitutional Court, newly introduced, had certain importance for ordinary people, but I would say that the mentioned living standard was probably even more important. And this disappointment, again, led to being disappointed with the liberal democratic setting in those countries, And you have to take into account that that Hungary or or Poland, for that matter, uh, maybe, with the exception of of the Czech Republic, had very few uh, democratic traditions before before the communist times. So, therefore, this kind of backslash of liberal democracy after someone Uh, with very populist uh, rhetoric uh, used these anti-liberal arguments uh, against the system, against the liberal democratic system altogether, it was successful. And the same applied to, to Poland, I guess, with again certain differences that, for instance, the current Polish peace government seems to apply some kind of of uh, social reforms, at least some very very popular social measures. let me mention the the five hundred Zloty plus measures. while Orban is not not really using even the uh, kind of economic economic kind of of uh, benefits for, for for the population except a so-called work-based uh, economy, which provides a minimum living standard for, for people who be otherwise may be unemployed. So this is a very minimal kind of social care uh, by the system. And still, the system seems to be very, very attractive for many Uh, voters as it has has, uh, been shown in the uh, April 3 elections. To speak about other very populistic arguments. Again, being attractive in in a country or in a region where democratic uh, culture, democratic tradition was not really foreseen, let me only mention one aspect of the the Hungarian elections in April. I would not say that this was the reason for Orbán's victory, but this was certainly one of the reasons of his uh, repeated two-third majority victory, namely the war in Ukraine. So Orbán used his populistic uh, rhetoric by referring to the security of the people proposing not to be involved in the war by not sending any kind of signs of solidarity, not even condemning Russia's aggression against Ukraine. And this rhetoric uh, has been successful. It, again, isn't the case in Poland, which uh, has shown an enormous solidarity, uh, towards Ukraine, but again, populism's rhetorics, uh, when it used in a in a very weak uh, democratic political culture, can be very, very decisive.
0: Right. Uh, I think it's actually some kind of argument I make that uh, one should be rather surprised that this anti-liberal uh, movements emerged so late, considering how weak the new democracies were in 1989 and immediately afterwards and uh, one of the reasons why at least in the period of transition they managed to be both uh, market they managed to introduce the market capitalism and liberal democracy perhaps were what holmes and, and Krestow, um describe as a as the age of imitation so this, this strong a tendency to create democracies in a way that were in the in the Western world, but of course without the foundations uh, on, on which those institutions uh, and traditions were were based, and uh, therefore this, this becomes a question: Do you think that do you agree that this is one of the reasons of the uh, of the weakening of, of democracy in Poland, Hungary, but also elsewhere? it comes with the first of all the weakening of the liberal uh, ideas in the west itself and secondly somehow these societies are now less eager to imitate and to to transform uh, in a way that's uh, that the western world to which they aspired uh, is created how, how could you explain this phenomenon that this this period of of imitation, uh, if you agree, of course, with the, their analysis of Holmes and Kristof, why it uh, ended and uh, is is like a weakening of the of the West, especially the liberalism in the West, It could be one of the reasons why at the peripheries of the Western world we see the 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 biggest anti-democratic uh, transition uh, at the moment.
1: Frankly speaking, I'm not a big fan of of. Uh my friends, uh, Ivan Krastev and uh, Stephen Holmes' idea of of imitation as as the ultimate reason for for the backsliding. On the one hand, I don't think that there has been no alternatives to this to this uh, uh, liberal democratic uh, turn in in the region because there were several forces, political forces uh, who advocated uh, different positions, the the very very strong uh, former communist parties uh, somehow somehow transformed into more social democratic parties, advocated more more social democratic than liberal democratic uh, outcome that were even even some third wave uh, approaches proposed by by a minority of of players in 89-90. Uh, but this is not the, the the main point. The the main point in my view is that actually I, I cannot really uh, imagine uh, other really feasible. Uh, alternatives for that period of time, but to introduce a kind of liberal democratic system. And this is not not an imitation. uh, So, or if it's considered as imitation, then I would say that Germany and Spain and Portugal after World War II and, and in the 1970s Uh, respectively, also imitated liberal democracy, uh, because they also uh, used the same uh, system of uh, liberal constitutional democracy, without those those, uh, difficulties, uh, as in Eastern and Central European countries, uh, this was the case. So it's not not, uh, the system itself which which was uh, the, the reason for the backsliding. Certainly uh, the way of introduction of this liberal democratic system contributed to the backsliding, namely that it was very much, the emphasis was very much on the institutional setting of the system, namely to introduce the new constitutional court, to introduce the new ombudsman system or or other other institutional elements of liberal democracy, while, as I mentioned already uh, earlier, without the the necessary uh, constitutional and political culture uh, behind this, in other words, there was an institutional skeleton for for a liberal democracy, but there, there were very few cultural uh, elements, uh, behavioral elements by by the people. And also the the way of introduction was very much a kind of legal legal approach. Some colleagues of mine uh, uh, describe this as a kind of legal constitutionalism as opposed to to any uh, use of participatory elements. In other words... People were not really asked about about the way in which a liberal democracy should be introduced, what what mechanisms uh, within this framework should work, what role people uh, should play to to let this uh, liberal democracy work. But even more importantly, and here I come back to the economic part, so the way in which liberal democracy was introduced almost almost immediately, together with with the neoliberal uh, economic policy, this certainly uh, uh, disappointed a lot of people. They very much uh, enjoyed certain kind of social security even on a very minimal level, uh, during, especially in the in the very end of the communist period in the 70s, in the in the 80s, that that there was no unemployment, there was a a, a minimum level of, of of secure work for almost everyone this disappeared with the introduction of the market economy with this uh, lack of social democratic uh, measures with with any kind of guarantee of social security this is the the, the main uh, uh, reason in my view and not so much the the copying of uh, Western liberal democratic institutions of the backsliding.
0: I want to ask you uh, perhaps the last question since we are coming to end of our time. What should be, in your opinion, the strategies of liberals uh, both in Hungary and Poland and also of the external institutions such as uh, European uh, Commission or or Council or especially other EU uh, states towards uh, this phenomenon of uh, anti-liberalism and perhaps, well, even anti-democratic movements and governments in in Hungary and in Poland. Because there is like arguments uh, made by by many, especially by more conservative people, uh, that uh, liberals should try to kind of blend in, not to talk too much about uh, LGBT issues or uh, perhaps uh, European integration. That they should try to be more uh, understanding and 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 forthcoming towards uh, ideologies, anti-liberal ideologies as well, and especially the views of the of the anti-liberal or skeptical views of the population. That this is the only chance to to win, and also an argument made by many politicians who uh, European politicians who prefer. European commission or, or strasbourg to uh, take the leading role they want they don't want to impose anything from the outside on the level on the of the states but it seems that this problem is not that much legal as it is political and therefore courts themselves or even european commission cannot cannot solve it speaking of the of the uh, european union so what would be your advice both for liberals inside and institutions outside uh, poland and hungary
1: let me start by by saying on behalf of the european unions uh, actually failure to enforce uh, european values in those two countries but sometimes uh, other countries uh, like romania or bulgaria are also also uh, having trouble with with complying Uh, uh, EU values. So on behalf of the EU, I can say that certainly uh, it wasn't foreseen uh, during the accession procedure in the early 2000s, that there will be countries, member states uh, of the European Union, which uh, won't be and not even willing to be Comply with with certain basic values uh, of of liberal uh, democracy, like rule of law, fundamental uh, rights guarantees, uh, uh, minority rights protection, and so on. So this was not foreseen, and the entire entire design of, of the European Union to over oversee the compliance with the value is. Wasn't an important part of the EU EU uh, structure. When it turned out in after 2010, after the first two third majority uh, victory of of Viktor Orbán's Fidesz party, that uh, liberal democratic values, joint values of the EU, are in danger in those countries. Uh, there has been a shock. I I guess, in in the EU and and the EU was not prepared to use uh, tools which are otherwise uh, there, for instance, uh, infringement procedures against non-compliant member states or even article 7 uh, procedure. But really, there was no, no preparedness. But More importantly, and and this is already not not, uh, uh, an argument to to protect the behaviour, or sometimes even would say compliance of the the EU uh, regarding this uh, uh, backsliding, that the political aspects, as you mentioned, uh, are sometimes more important than the legal ones. It turned out that the problem with with this oversight is not so much about the lack of legal toolkits. It's much more about the lack of willingness, political willingness by, by the EU in general. But as you know, EU is... Consist of member states, uh, larger and smaller member states. Uh, especially some larger member states were, were so much politically- and economically uh, tied to, to those countries, especially in the case of Hungary. For instance, the, the influence of the, of the German industry, especially the car industry in Hungary- made Germany, including uh, 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 the chancellorship of of Angela Merkel, almost uh, unwilling to stand up against uh, the illiberal uh, politics of of Viktor Orban. You may remember this long, long uh, fight within the European People's Party, where the that time German leadership, uh, uh, Manfred Weber and and others, were reluctant to to really uh, sanction uh, a seemingly and openly uh, anti-liberal uh, member of of the party group EPP. It it took many years to to somehow. Come to the conclusion that that they they should seriously sanction uh, the Hungarian member party. So yes, uh, the political uh, uh, unwillingness of the EU regarding Hungary and also Poland. You know, Poland is is a much larger country. The EU cannot easily afford to go very strictly against a government which also uh, does not comply with the EU values because of of other uh, but also mainly political reasons. So if you consider this uh, last years when the EU seemed to be somehow more willing to to stand up for for conditionality against uh, those member states, it's most probably due to some some new political and economic uh, considerations. Certainly Brexit and uh, the very economic consequences of Brexit uh, played uh, an important role in that, to realize that old member states cannot afford to, to send a huge amount of, of EU money, uh, in other words, uh, money of the, of the other EU members' taxpayers, to, to feed illiberal democracies, to feed not only uh, uh, the Hungarian government, with its uh, illiberal policies, but uh, literally feeding uh, Viktor Orban and his his own family, uh, his own cronies and and oligarchs, so that the the new uh, efforts to to use economic conditionality since two thousand twenty one onwards. Is a sign of this this kind of new uh, uh, realization of wasting EU money for for someone who is uh, not willing to, to to comply and not only not willing to comply with the, the values uh, uh, entrenched in Article Two of the of the treaties, namely the values of rule of law, democracy. Uh, and so on but but having a totally corrupt economic and political system which abuses all the eu funds it's not just abusing the values it's abusing eu money so this new consideration is certainly very welcome we will see how far this goes and this somehow also solves the problem you you describe in your question uh, whether old eu member states should should uh, really somehow command new member states how to how to interpret uh, eu values like uh, rule of law or democracy this is about uh, eu's economic and financial interest. So if there is uh, a a corrupt system, which is the case in in Hungary, uh, then the EU money is wasted. And of course, uh, with this uh, corrupt system comes also certain elements of the mentioned uh, traditional rule of law values. Uh, if there is no independent judiciary in a country, let it be either Hungary or or Poland, then you cannot effectively and and properly use EU money because if the the EU partners in an economic uh, relationship using EU funds cannot be secured that certain uh, legal disputes can be. Uh, decided by an independent judge in the country, then it's not only the, the economic interest is at stake, it's also the the very, very essence of, of the rule of law is at stake. So in other words, with this kind of new measures against corruption, uh, protecting the financial and economic interests of, of the EU, there are the core values to be protected by these by these new measures
0: one can one can only hope that standing up to strongmen in russia also will make uh, EU more understanding of um, how to of course not comparing regimes uh, russian uh, hungarian and polish but how important is to stand up to to those who break uh, very basic values uh, until it's too late. It seems that perhaps in Hungary the last elections shown that uh, it is impossible to to have a, a fair elections and the problem is much deeper and structural. In Poland, hopefully, there is a well. There there is a possibility of change of government, which might be enough, at least in the short term, to come back to very basic liberal democratic um, system. Uh, but certainly. Uh, not uh, not being true to one's uh, values, as, as was the case with the uh, European Union, uh, it inflicts the price, and the, the prices that we have now two supporting each other governments, which, which go exactly against the very basic values that EU is committed to, and uh, EU wasn't, as you said, prepared for such a challenge. It also, I think, uh, creates a lot of issues for possible enlargement because no one wants to invite new countries like Serbia, for example, which might be just adding up to the to the problems already existing. Uh, well, but just to, to, to finish, it seems that without commitment to and also a good definition uh, of the problem in which we are facing, uh, both from the European institutions and Euro- EU countries, and uh, especially the um, societies and political elites of Hungary and Poland, we we won't be able to to solve the situation. So, well, Professor, I would like to very much uh, thank you for for your insightful analysis going very often against the kind of common uh, knowledge, uh, I would say, uh, much deeper. Uh, than than usually uh, it is being discussed on the uh, on the on the on the panel discussions and I would like to recommend also to our listeners some of the publications uh, I know that you recently uh, published in the in the book edited by by some friends of mine by uh, Wojciech Sadurski among others and Martin Krieger, populism versus authoritarianism and you wrote about uh, anti constitutional populism I think it's extremely and also the the book I mentioned earlier the it's a short uh, piece in this Routledge uh, guide on the illiberalism, and many other publications uh, I very strongly recommended to, to 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 follow up on this for anyone who's interested in the subject. So thank you, Professor, for this uh, for this conversation. It was a real pleasure.
1: Thank you. The pleasure was mine.
0: Thank you very much, and so our listeners, uh, please tune in for the Ricardo Silvestre podcast next week, and we'll meet again in two weeks. Uh, this is all from Liberal Europe for today. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please share and give us a five-star review. You'll hear from me soon. Until then, please listen to Liberal Europe podcast next week with Ricardo Silvestre.